0: Today is Christ the King Sunday. It is the last Sunday of the church's liturgical year. And it is on this day that we celebrate and recognize the reign of Christ. So to consider Jesus' reign begs two questions. The first is, what constitutes Jesus' reign? And the second is, how do we know that we're a part of it? Our gospel lesson finds us at Jesus's trial before Pilate. He has been handed over to Pilate by the religious leaders because of his claim that he is a king. To claim to be a king was considered a certain threat to the ruling king and was punishable by death. As Pilate questions Jesus, the discussion of his kingship takes on a new dimension. And we see in their conversation, Jesus and Pilate, that they are speaking on two different planes of reality. Jesus's kingdom does not have boundaries determined by land or race. Although Christ's kingdom can span the globe, it has no attributes of an empire. Consider what an empire looks like with these words by Mary Oliver, a poet, whose poem is entitled, Of the Empire. We will be known as a culture that feared death and adored power, that tried to vanquish insecurity for the few and cared little for the penury of the many. We will be known as a culture that taught and rewarded the amassing of things that spoke little, if at all, about the quality of life for people, that is other people, for dogs, for rivers, All the world in our eyes, they will say, was a commodity. And they will say that this structure was held together politically, which it was. And they will say also that our politics was no more than an apparatus to accommodate the feelings of the heart. And that the heart in those days was small and hard and full of meanness. That's Mary Oliver's poem of the empire. When Jesus claims a kingdom that goes beyond this world, unlike anything that we've ever seen before, we must recognize that his goal is not to create an empire. Even though his kingdom makes him the ruler of all the kings of the earth, he does not objectify and dominate the created order. His kingdom is established because he draws all of creation into relationship with him. It is only in relationship with him that this kingdom can be made known. And we see that demonstrated in today's gospel. Pilate asks Jesus, so you are a king? And Jesus answers him, you say that I'm a king? By claiming Jesus as king we make a way for his kingdom to be made known. By being in relationship with Jesus, we see the truth of God and the truth made known in creation, not only in nature, but in human beings, in ourselves. In Jesus' kingdom, the truth of all things is revealed and brought into right relationship with one another. The truth does not know boundaries, at least not the kind that we're familiar with. One of my undergraduate religion professors was familiar for saying, was famous for saying, All truth is God's truth. It all belongs to God. This was a radical concept for me, having grown up with a particular religious flavor, that is, Christianity. I came to realize that it was, was and is God's prerogative to make the truth known as God desires. And if God wants to do that in ways that I don't expect, then God has every right and power to do so. The truth is not objective. It does not control us. And the truth is not subjective. It is not something that we can control. If we think of truth as objective or subjective in either way, then we approach truth as something that controls us or we control and Jesus tells Pilate and reminds us in our gospel today that truth is known in relationship. It is in the ability to recognize and respond to Jesus's voice. Truth is not a what but a who. Parker Palmer in his book To Know As We Are Known, Education as a Spiritual Journey says that it is in this question where we see Pilate's confusion and ours as well. Because verse 38, which was not a part of our gospel reading, but follows directly after verse 37, which is, Pilate questions Jesus, and he says, What is truth? Jesus answers Pilate's question with, Who? Do you remember earlier in John's gospel that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Palmer, in his book, goes on to say that when Jesus said, I am the truth, he was not making an idiosyncratic claim about a private individual. He wasn't inviting us into an isolated relationship that is either the whole of what we must know or separable from the rest. Jesus, when he said, I am the truth, was not saying, if you know me, you know everything. Nor was he saying, if you know me, you don't need to pay attention to anything else. Instead, Jesus was inviting and is inviting us into relationship. Now, I know that Jesus warns of false prophets that can lead us astray. But I think that the false prophets are those that tap into our impatience or frustration and promise that our actions, through our actions, we can build an empire for Jesus. But this is not what Jesus invites us into. Instead, Jesus invites us into the truth, wherever and however it may be found in personal relationships. I have a funny and a serious illustration of this. The funny example comes from last week. As many of you know, I was away last Sunday attending to my grandmother's funeral. And Les Hughes filled in here in worship. He was the preacher and celebrant. And he emailed me something that happened at the 10 o'clock worship at the altar rail. He said that a four-year-old said to him as he came to offer her the bread, are you the real thing? He said he imagined her question came from the fact that he was wearing the outfit and he was saying the words, but he was not me. He said, but imagine that existential question right there at the altar rail. Are you the real thing? He said that he felt good to be able to answer, yes. At the altar rail, the truth is known. Who we really are is known at the altar rail and who it is that has made us and sustains us is known as well. The serious illustration happened in 2003, about nine years ago, when Gene Robinson was elected to be a bishop in the Episcopal Church. It was in the Diocese of New Hampshire. I'm sure that many, if not all of you, know this story because it was all through the news. He was elected to be bishop as any other person has been elected to be bishop in any other diocese, the same process was applied. But the surprise was that he was an openly gay man in relationship with another person. And his ordination to the bishop sent reverberations around the globe, I think it's safe to say, of seismic proportions. There were several pieces to this conversation that became evident in the weeks that followed. Several voices that we begin to hear one was from the people of New Hampshire. They were surprised at the reaction. This had all been done in the open. Robinson had served on the bishop's staff for 17 years. They'd witnessed his life for a long time. Then there were the gay and lesbians among us in the Episcopal Church that were surprised at the reaction because this has been a topic of conversation for close to 30 years. And then there were people around the globe that were surprised of this event because of how it affected their lives as Christians in various parts of the world. It was an event of seismic proportions. The Archbishop of Canterbury quickly collected people from around the globe to come together in England for conversation at the table, to see each other's faces, to hear each other's voices. There was such intense emotion around the globe. No matter what side of the issue you were on, people were shaking their fists at heaven and saying, I can't believe we're talking about this. And Archbishop Rowan Williams thought that in bringing people to the table, they could begin to be in relationship to remember the relationship they're in so that God's truth could be revealed, whatever that truth might be. And so people had conversations, and they made statements, and they agreed about them, and they disagreed about them, and they disagreed about them, and they agreed about them. And they worked very hard. And in moments of frustration, folks would say to the Archbishop of Canterbury, can't you just decide this for us once and for all? Oh, but by the way, would you decide on our side? And Archbishop Rowan Williams reminded us that the Anglican Communion's authority is in the communion. It is because we are an Anglican communion that we have authority. It's in relationship with one another. He doesn't have the position to make a verdict and then send it down to us all. By 2008, five years later, this was still a very hot topic, and all the bishops were gathered for their every 10-year gathering in Lambeth. It's called the Lambeth Conference for two weeks of study and prayer and worship together. And they decided to employ a practice for small group discussion called Ubuntu, a Bible study process that originates in Africa and is based upon the premise that I am because you are and we find God together. And so over the course of those two weeks they had many discussions. You might be interested to know that our own presiding bishop carried her mitre in her hand as she processed with the other bishops because there were some places of the Anglican communion that do not accept women as bishops, and she was trying to be sensitive to their understanding even as she claimed her role. I give you all of these smattering and scattering of illustrations to show that it is in community that we come to know the truth, and I believe that if we can just hold on to each other long enough. God will make it known. We can do that even on this small scale here as the people of St. Stephen's. As we saw on the big scale, even when it's painful and tedious, God can work in community, and we can know the same here. Christ's kingdom is not of this world. It doesn't have boundaries and parameters that are familiar to us but we are invited to be among its citizens. And we can do this by living in relationship with Jesus and with others who follow his voice. We can do this by holding on to one another through prayer and study, especially in difficult times. We can do this by being committed to being in relationship with God until God makes known among us God's truth which will be so evident that we will all recognize it. And in recognizing it, we will all be made new. Amen.